Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. This is Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm here with architect Philippa Crone. She's director of Crone Architects. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Good. Um, Philippa, you've been surrounded by architects since you were a child. Literally everyone in your family is an architect. The Crone name is synonymous with architecture, and it would have been tempting to say, I want to do something else. But what happens with someone like you who's grown up in that environment? And tell me a little bit about your background. Yeah, so look, it's um, it's certainly a privilege to have this sort of strong ingrained background that, uh, that I've been brought into. Um, I, look, when I was going through high school, I, I loved design, I loved art. Uh, I, you know, it, it was one of those things that just drew me to um, to architecture. Uh, I did look at graphic design, I looked at landscape, I looked at interiors, looked at photography. And uh, at the end of the day, I really just found that architecture encapsulated a lot of those elements. And um, and for me, it was a path that uh, that I've sort of found my way on and, and, and st- stuck to it. Um, Philippa, your family are pretty significant, particularly in Sydney. They made a huge mark with the central tower yes yeah, sydney tower sydney. my grandfather obviously one of the the um he was he was very uh, creative in um designing what was off the ta- off the back of a table napkin with um alex wagon back in the day and uh it was a gesture that he wanted to give back to the city of sydney and um and certainly they they made it happen and part of that process was about creating boutique design and and understanding a connection with um you know what what is the Pitt Street retail precinct and trying to uplift that back in the day, which was back in the 1970s. And um, and certainly it started a um, started a, a benchmark for Crone architects themselves, um, understanding complex structures, understanding high-rise. And so Crone Architects has been um, basically uh, a strong commercial designer when it comes to tall buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, our family has uh, extended. We have we have other family in Melbourne as well. Um, I'm permanently in Melbourne um, with my family now. Uh, but we also have other uh, family like Peter Crone, who's also an architect. He's now retired. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic um, experience to be around collectively so many architects in, in my family. Um, we do go back a few generations, which is very interesting for us, and it's part of that heritage you can't, um, can't walk away from, you have to embrace. When do you think was the first time you really hooked on to architecture? Was it seeing either a father or grandfather at a drawing desk, or was it a building site that you went to and you thought, oh, this is something... It's uh, it's interesting. I um I do remember um being on site up in in Queensland with my father at the time, and we were on site, and I must have been probably the age of six or seven, and I had my multiplex hard hat on, and it was all very, uh very formal, and and we walked around the shopping centre up there, which was the project at the time, and and uh, and it was really impressive just seeing it all come together. Uh, and I think that's probably that's one of the one of the memories that is in my mind, and and certainly um, my grandfather, obviously, he was always uh, leaning over his his drawing table, which certainly was something that I, I always have true to my heart as well. 
Philippa, you studied at Canberra University and um, why was that? I mean, because there's great university. I mean, it's a great university, but there are other yes. universities close to home. I, I took a path that um, I wanted to, to be outside of the, the cities. Yeah, I certainly wanted to do it on my own. Uh, and I felt that being um, not hidden away, but in a country university, I was able to be a part of that studio lifestyle. I know that a lot of the universities um, have a different path as to how you come and do your work and then you disappear. Um, Canberra University sold a very strong um, and promoted the studio atmosphere. You could be there 24-7, you had your own desk. It was all about that, uh, that camaraderie with, your, with, your, with, with the other students. Mm-hmm. And, and when you had a, a problem, you would open that problem to, to your mates and you'd be able to collectively work through that in your studio time and even after hours. And so for me, that was probably something that um, I will, I'll never forget and, and yeah. has brought a lot of the design ethics of how I do workshop and design with the teams um, that, that work with me on, on projects. Um, the, you then went to California Polytechnic State University yes. in, uh, in, the, in America and um, came back here. And then it's really, if we fast forward a number of years, it's really been... Only the last 12 months you've come back as the director of Crone Architects in Melbourne. Correct, yes. Why, why, what was the timing? Why the timing now? Well, uh, certainly I, I spent the last few years, I actually got tapped on the shoulder by BMW Group Australia to um, become their local architect and, and client-side PM for their factory-owned uh, Niederlassung sites, um, which was a fantastic um, part of my career. And uh, and then I had a pair of babies. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had a set of twins, um, which are gorgeous. And um, and so now I've been able to step back into um, into work life and um, really sort of open up, um, you know, the ink and uh, the trace and and get cracking in design again. Um, you mentioned BMW, yes. your work there in Sydney with the showrooms, and you mentioned that you were working with artists to create this kind of almost um, this art installation and it is quite different when you're working with corporate people like BMW they want a certain signature so I would imagine and tell me if I'm wrong that it's about promoting their brand rather than creating an art piece in such a valued piece of real estate. And look, I think it's very much a balancing act of trying to be respectful for art and also the corporate identity and, and the CI that goes with such a big global brand. Um, and being harmonious and respectful for the two is very important. And um, and I think from our perspective when we went through the project it was all about finding the right artist that could um, create that journey as well that was um, a and responded to the brand correct yes and 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 look it, it certainly uh, we ended up uh, working with the King sisters which were fantastic in their um, design approach and and the journey which they took us on and we were able to adopt that um, with with the mini garage building itself and uh, and look Collectively, it was a, um, a collaboration between the city, you know, BMW themselves, the, the local architect, which was um, SJB. SJB. 
and um, and making sure that all the parties could work together. We had a great um, contractor, which was Taylor um, Taylor Constructions, and uh, bringing that together was um, was pretty significant. And um, and I think we're all very proud of, of how it's all come to life. Um, Philippa, with um, Crone Architects. What would you say if I said what do you what are you known for? I mean, even you know, and which is the area really um, trying to uh, work more? So in? yeah, look, I, I spent a lot of my time in Crone up in Sydney, looking after a lot of the commercial um, designs in terms of residential office. Um, Crone Architects in Sydney does some fairly significant large um, buildings and we're, we're talking about projects that are you know, in excess of 100 to 300 to 600 mil. I mean, they're big, big sites, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, certainly, it's also about understanding the boutique's smaller scale. Um, and I, look, I have a, an absolute passion for the heritage elements where you can actually bring to life uh, and, and respect and embrace the heritage element without having to, to completely dissolve it and start, it, start again. So certainly for us... Um, Especially in Melbourne, it's all about making sure that we're we're finding projects that still are true to themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, and we we can tell a story. Um, whilst there might be a heritage element part of that site, or whether it's a new design in itself collectively, it's all about creating that that seed of an idea and bringing that to life. In terms of heritage, you about or you're in the process of working on quite a large house in Turek. Yes, and. Um, it looks amazing. I mean, it's a big project. It's not a big project compared to commercial projects, obviously, but it's a sizable job. It, correct, yes. When you look at a house like that, um, some would say, look, just gut it and start again. How do you approach those houses? Because obviously it's had additions that aren't of the period. It's 1920s? Yes, uh, 1910 and then 1928, I believe. Um, so there's obviously some renditions and then obviously post post that, uh, I think, 1970s and 80s and 90s, a few other yeah. additions, which you can't can't um, disregard because obviously that's part of the evolution of, of design and architecture and living in houses. But certainly this particular house, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it has some really great bones and, and the design intent that it was um, that established it, um, certainly we want to play tribute to that and uh, embrace it in a way that um, the client also is is very much on the same path as us and it's great to have clients that um, are a part of that process and 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 want to embrace those elements but also still maintain some new contributions that can extend out and Philippa when you're looking at a house like that you're saying 1910-1928 how do you work in your head do you go back to 1910 and and then work forward or do you layer a project and say let's include 1910 1928 and even some of the later editions that might be a bit quirky well look i think it's also about understanding the the end user uh, and certainly life from 1910 and 1928 is very different from what it used to be um, and certainly the way in which we live and the spaces in which we um, occupy are, are very different um, so certainly it's about making sure that we translate what what was original and how it can be adapted to to embrace what is today's lifestyle. Um, certainly, we want to find something that's a middle ground, um, and uh, and it can still be enhanced. 
So certainly we'd start from the, the beginning no. and then work our way forward and try and find a middle ground. Okay. Um, you've also done, an, uh, you know, been involved in quite a large project, the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation, which is a new building that's um, just been completed in the last couple of years. Yes. Um, and you were telling me it's probably not obvious from just looking at it if you're standing a few metres away, but if you give it some distance, it's a pair of hands folding correct and it's that caring element mm. tell uh, me about that look it's a it's a very interesting building um elizabeth street yeah look it's a great project i mean from from my understanding the client was just so on board with trying to find a story and listening to the client uh understanding that they're very nurturing because it was australian Mid midwifery federation um it's all about understanding that element and they showed an image of two hands together and part of that was was um, obviously deconstructing that image and, and that story and applying it to the building. And if if you're several blocks away, the fins, which are the ESD elements, um, creating shadowing and, and, and reducing heat loads, act and you can actually see uh, the wrinkles in the hands and the fingers. Um, and it's, it's really quite impressive. Um, to be able to achieve those sorts of um, elements on projects that clients are really a part of and is fantastic. Um, you don't normally find a lot of clients that are uh, that embrace those elements and um, and have that buy-in, um, but certainly uh, they were a great client to be able so to do that. In a sense, Philippa, it's almost a form of branding the building, so people can actually identify what it is before they even see the signage on the door. Yes. And, and look, I think that it's also, once you walk through the internal spaces, it, it has a very cold element of interiors. And as you transcend up the building, it's uh, it gets warmer and warmer, which is in very... Tone. In tone and colour and texture. And and, uh, and look, it, it's, it certainly is um, was a great concept that... That, um, that the client was um, was willing to back, and, it, and it's a great project in terms of how it's been delivered and, and executed. The other thing you've, you've just finished working on is a new apartment concept in Fitzroy. Yes. Which looks fascinating, and it's not easy getting uh, apartments through particularly areas like Fitzroy that are very strong in heritage, lots of Victorian terraces. Every time there's anything over three storeys, people start getting a bit concerned. Tell me about the process and what, how you try and make residential, you know, multi-res more palatable in areas such as these. Yeah, look, I think it's all about understanding the context, really understanding... I mean, I, I learned from a professor of mine back in the US. He sort of always said to me, always look over your back fence because there's something there that you should always look to. And and I think it just goes to show that if you understand the context in which your site is sitting in, you can get a far, a, a far greater uh, understanding of how the building should actually be put together. And for us, it was all about making sure that we were respectful of the area because it does have a heritage overlay, but the site itself um, didn't um, have any specific heritage elements on it. So it was a clean site. Um, but certainly it was about creating a wrapping of the building and setting the building inside that almost like a cocoon um, with operable elements and... Um, screens. It's all timber clad. Yes. and So um, it's like a large timber angled box. 
Yes. And then perforations of the openings. Correct. And up, up on the roof, uh, on the upper levels, you actually have these popped out courtyards that just sort of juxt jut out um, which are fantastic and and look I think it's also about having that screen element activate the ground floor and and so from a deconstructive destructive process it's almost like wrapping it with a skirt or, or a dress and and lifting that um, giving giving the retail a bit of a sneak peek and lifting it up through um, up on the corner so certainly it was about having a play with what is architecture and and certainly being able to um, do something a little bit different. Oh. Look, apartments generally face a bit of resistance and there's some great apartments coming up, but there's also some pretty average ones. What do you think people are looking for now in apartments? Because more and more people will be living in apartments going forward. And what are the things that you need to kind of look at now that you perhaps you didn't look at five, ten years ago? Yeah, look, it's a very interesting question because it's it's very much a moving topic. Um, some people really want the, the the ability to be able to have a great open space to live, kitchen, dining, living, and have that activation. But then then you also look at some particular clients that that really all they want is a balcony space but then those that don't like balcony spaces because Melbourne weather is obviously very temperamental so it's really about finding that balance of can you create some outdoor space that you can still utilize and close down in winter but also utilize in summer so certainly it's about having that um, that balance of creating a design that can achieve both elements and um, also, you know, natural day lighting is, is without a doubt, makes everyone happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I love my vitamin D and um, certainly it's, it's, it's really important to be able to make sure that, that apartments and, and townhouses and depending on where you're, wherever you're living, residential living itself, natural day lighting is key. And um, um, Philippa, because everyone's got different requirements, everyone's looking for something different, at the end of the day, things have to be uh, economical to build. Is it possible to create a model where there's a series of different typologies in the one apartment block that's really going to appeal to a cross-section of people rather than either just empty nesters or uh, professionals? How do you see it? Or is it just we're still a little bit far from that? I differentiation. Think, I think that there certainly is a market for creating a balance between what is affordable housing, um, early nesters, um, those that, whether they're student accommodation, um, certainly a lot of the more higher density um, sites that are sort of up around the 10 storey, even 10 to 20, you're able to be able to execute that really easily um, through a typical floor plan and, and, and playing on those plans as you rise up through the building. Um, certainly it does become a lot more complex when you've got smaller buildings um, because the numbers doesn't pay off, doesn't pay. Yeah, I think the percentages between them, it doesn't, the numbers aren't there. But when you have the higher buildings, the more taller buildings, uh, certainly it does work. And it's not to say that you can't do, you know, hotels with affordable housing in the bottom where you have that element that can actually achieve um, a balance between the two. Where do you see things going in the future? If you, if I said, look, Philippa, give me your prediction of how we're going to live in, say, 20, 30 years' time, where would you perhaps like to see things going? 
Look, I think that it's it's a very it's very hard to crystal ball um, the way in which we live because it keeps changing. Um, and certainly, I think it's more about being flexible and designed to make sure that those adapt- adaptations can actually occur. Um, from a from a living point of view, I think it's really about understanding that. A lot of people do work in the city, but then there's also understanding that there are pockets where people are starting to activate. You see Geelong starting to activate. You see the inner fringe activating heavily. And being able to accommodate um, residential living in those pockets as well certainly is very important. And to be able to do that, you really need buy-in from the councils because activating those spaces but also being uh, respectful of some of the heritage elements that are that are part of those areas um, you can still embrace and um, and retain a lot of heritage elements but you also need to be mindful of of areas that need to cater for a little bit more medium density you, um philippa do you think in i mean it's already happening and it's probably a kind of a given but with the number of people moving to regional cities Bendigo, Ballarat um, do you think there's going to be more call for architects to actually move away from the city and respond to the people's people's problems and needing housing? Look, I think um, I think it certainly is. It's it's evident, you know, where we're seeing a lot of activation in Bendigo and Ballarat. Um, there's a lot of things happening in the in the regional spaces of Victoria, and I think it's only going to get stronger. Um, you know, our our office was in the city. Um, we decided that we didn't want to be in the city anymore, so we, we're now in Windsor, and um, and it's a great. Um, stepping stone for us because we're now able to to step past and get to the outer areas which is where a lot of the work is is needs to be done yeah um look thanks so much for coming onto the program today and um i mean look it must be hard i think as an architect when you come from your architectural heritage or legacy to actually say, look, I want to do my things my way (laughs) and have my own identity. And I think that must be really important. Do you feel that millstone sometimes or you've kind of, you've gone well past that? I I think that if, I think I've probably passed that. I think it's more about being true to myself inherently as a designer and, and um, understanding my clients and, and really just creating good spaces and good architecture. That's what it's all about and making sure that the the seamlessness of all the consultants as well, so whether it's indoor, outdoor, even the interior spaces um, and the exterior of the building and the public space and how it's read um, and the user experience. So, and as you said, it's a holistic experience. So it's, it's probably, um, it's great that you're interested in all those areas. And look, I think that's that's what for me that's what architecture is all about is actually collaborating with all the disciplines and making sure that you're actually working together harmoniously mm-hmm. and creating a fantastic end product. Look, thank you so much for coming onto thank the program. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Philippa Crone, uh, director of Crone Architects, and Stephen Crafty, talking design at RMIT. Thanks so much for listening.